Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, no matter where you are, no matter what time it is, no matter what you're doing, stop everything and listen, my friends. Listen to me because this week on the Inside, Inside Sales Show, we're going to have a fun conversation. And it's one of those things that's kind of inspired by a couple of things. It's inspired by something that happened to me the other day. And it's inspired by the individual we have on the show today as a guest. I mean, I know they're always inspired by the guests. You know that. I tell you lots of cool little stories. And then remarkably, the story I'm talking about has to relate to the guest. It's almost like it's a formula, but it's not. It's genuine. It's sincere. Um, so let me tell you a story. The other day, we were going back and forth with a group of us, a group of us. And I don't mean internally. I mean, a group of us. It was probably, it's a, it's a LinkedIn group. And we share you know, would you respond to this? Would you respond to this? And it's a combination of really salespeople, sales leaders. But remarkably, some of us, of course, also have budgets to buy software, hardware, services, what have you. So we we both own a quota or own a quota contribution. And we also are buyers ourselves. <clears throat> and it's always interesting, right? It's always interesting to see, um, would you respond to this? So sure enough, you know, I can't remember who it was, somebody put something in the group about, you know, I just got this one in. I've never seen this one before. What do you think? Should I respond to this? And it's always like, no, no, no. What the hell were they thinking? Did they even bother? But, but this particular time, I actually said, yeah, I would. And then, of course, that's the trigger. It's like, yeah, I would. Why, why would you? Like, we don't disagree. But because what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out, okay, so that's good. Likely what happened was they wanted to reply. It worked for them, but then they wanted to say, well, if it worked for me, will it work for others? And by me saying, yeah, I would, then the, and them saying, yeah, I had the same reaction, then the group of us are going, okay, is, this, is there an angle here that we can take back to our own prospecting efforts? Because we're buyers, and we would respond to that type of outreach or that message or that approach. So can we use this ourselves? And... I always find that intriguing because people always are like 99 times out of hundred is like, no, it's crap. Okay. And I shift gears, different story, same premise, same thing. I was getting, I went to G2 to look at who were the top players in this certain space. And the reason I went to look at this total sidebar was because uh, a colleague of a colleague had gotten some money and I was semi-familiar with the space. And so I wanted to go and say, well, oh, they got some money. Uh, where are they? I'm curious. Good for them. You know, they got some some investment. Where are they as a player in that category? I don't know that category. So, you know, in days of old, I would have gone to Gartner and their magic quadrant. But now these days, I just go to G2 and their their categories and their grids. And I see where they're placed there based on reviews or whatever it might be. And I could see how they were. Okay. Fast forward a week, maybe even less than that. And suddenly everybody on my team, I should back up. I looked at the grid and then I looked at them specifically. So I went right into this company, but I didn't do anything. I didn't say semi information, none of that stuff. So fast forward a couple of days and I was in everybody in the marketing team is getting emails from this company because they got an intent signal from G2 that says somebody from VanillaSoft was looking at them and clearly that's, that's a buying sign, right? And they were harassing everybody. And so the funny part was, as you might imagine, now we're on Slack and we're comparing messages. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And a lot of their messages were really good. We're like, wow, I didn't expect that. And then, of course, they're all saying, 
why the hell are they asking? Why are they asking us? We already have a tool like this. Like you can see that simple technographics. You can see that, you know, it's not hard. Um, and I said, it's me. I went there, nothing to do with work, just being nosy. And they said, oh, okay. And then we agreed to not respond because we wanted to keep on seeing the messages coming in and the cadence because again, maybe we can use it. And I got to tell you, the messages were solid. We were really impressed. They were really, really good until they got into their last one because we hadn't responded. And this is basically your, your kiss off one, right? And they were trying to be humorous. At the end of the day, it came across as really creepy and stocky. So we would definitely not respond to that. Why does that matter? Because I was talking to that friend of a friend today, earlier today, and I shared that story with them. And they said, oh, oh, don't tell us which email it was. Can we guess? And I said, sure. And they said, it was that email. And I said, yes. How did you know? And they said, because we had this whole discussion inside where we were all enamored with this email. We thought it was great. We thought it was personal. We thought it was cheeky. We thought it was fun. But they've got an outside sales advisor, somebody you would all know. I won't name names, but they're a big deal. And they showed it to their outside sales advisor. Her only reason they came on board to consult with them in the last week. And the outside sales advisor saw that particular email and said, get rid of that email. That is the worst email, worst message in the world. And they were heartbroken. So here I am saying that was creepy. The consultant says it was creepy, but they thought it was good. Okay, so where am I going with all this? Where I'm going with all this is that it is black magic. It is voodoo. It was, it is, it is unknown science. It is not known to all of mankind what makes people react to certain messages versus others. But it's kind of like dark matter. We've never seen it, but we know it's there. Same thing when it comes to messaging. We, ne we can't always define exactly what the winning formula is, and it's a bit of a moving target as we get used to certain different templates getting popular, but we know the gist of what works and what doesn't. So with that, I thought, how do I help you get better messaging to get better responses with your prospects, whether it's on the messaging or the approach or how you say it or what you say, et cetera, so that you can have more buyers respond favorably and you will have a much bigger pipeline. That's the genesis of today's conversation, taking my own experience and bring it to you. But I'm doing it, not me. I'm doing it with Ryan Scalera. Ryan, if you don't know Ryan, he's a cat. So recently I was on a hype cycle competition where I had to be this coach on personal branding and he was a finalist and they brought, you know, these final three people to the table and we, here's their LinkedIn profile and here's what they're doing and here's their content. And Ryan, it was almost, I felt bad for the other contestants because Ryan kicked their ass in the nicest, most polite, most polished way. And that, my friend, is how you go from being an account executive to being the head of business development at Adapar. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That was a great segue into our conversation. But yes, that was that was fun. I ended up winning Hype Cycle. Yes, you did. Uh, you didn't just win. You like I won you, one. You won one. You know, it was <laughs> I actually in fact, the funny story there is that I'm supposed to, as the the resident expert find some areas where he can still improve, even though he was kicking ass. And I will admit where the other one, the other panelists, 
it was pretty easy to find lots of areas where they could improve. I had to really reach to the bottom of the barrel to find an area where Ryan could improve. So if you need help on LinkedIn, how to look the show, look the part, act the part, come across as a rock star, check out Ryan and his profile. He in his content and his activity, he's killing it. All right, Ryan, I opened it up by talking about messaging, talking about how to create content that gets your buyers to respond. But that's how I set it up. I mean, this is your show today. Maybe you can phrase what it is that you want to accomplish today and, and you know, why, why we're talking about this in the first place, because I know this is something that was big and important to you, too. For sure. Um, so I think that something that gets talked about a lot in the industry um, is that personalization factor or relevance as it's starting to become more known as, more important, at least, um, where... Every leader under the sun is like, you have to personalize this. It has to be ultra personalized. Um, and that is where I think I see a lot of failing uh, going on within the BDR community. They'll personalize it, but it's kind of a relevant personalization. It's, oh, you went to so-and-so college or you're connected to this coworker. We're in the same space. And that does not give the warm, fuzzy feelings that most biz dev reps think it does. Um, and then we go over to relevance. You could always say something like, oh, I saw you just hired like 10 people. And that's great. Um, but how does that connect ultimately to the problem that you can actually solve for the person you're reaching out to? And I think, you know, back to my Keenan days of working uh, with gap selling was really if you understand the business problems you solve and how those manifest in the business, yes, even as a BDR, and you can figure out where to search for relevance and information to use in your outreach, your chances of getting this person to respond, to learn more about a problem they have that they're actively trying to solve for are much higher. And I think that that's a part that just doesn't get talked about enough when we talk about relevance or personalization. Okay. I want to stop here for a second and just convey to you, if you guys don't understand what just the significance that Ryan just said, I'm going to speak to you as a buyer for a moment, not as a sales advisor or coach. As a buyer, I, I'm only a buyer because it's a means to an end. I have got something that I need to deliver. Typically, that would be, I have to, if, I, if, I'm a, if I'm a sales leader, I've got to achieve certain sales targets. If I'm a marketing leader, I have to achieve, you know, maybe it's MQLs or SQLs or thought leadership of somehow or some sort. If it's rev ops, maybe certain, you know, efficiencies or conversion ratios or training or whatever it might be, all different things. You're, you're, the buyers are just people who view their buyers because it's a means to an end. So let's, he, Ryan mentions relevance. So, Imagine somebody was selling vanilla soft to me. They said to you, hey, Daryl, uh, you know, we've got this great sales cadence, sales sequencing solution that will triple your pipeline. And that was the message. And I would go, okay, well, that's interesting. It really is interesting. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's not terrible. But every, every service partner and tech partner makes comparable hyper, hyperbolic statements like that. So I'm kind of cynical. Whereas if they came in, they said, hey, Daryl, we work with this other company. They're not the category leader, but they were able to take five percentage points share away from the category leader with, and they were able to do that in 79 days with an investment of 
$50,000 that resulted in additional quarter million dollars in ARR. I'm making those numbers up. You get the idea. Would you like to learn exactly what they did? Because I know you're competing against category leaders like Sales Loft and Outreach, and your job is a, your success is more difficult than those who benefit from the brand. Wow. Can you say, just stop there for a second? Relevance. You have just described the reason I get up and bang my head against the morning and at night and how I dodge, you know, those hard conversations with the board and with the CEO and everything else. You're like speaking my language. And I'm like, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to buy, but do I want to learn how they did it when they were not a category leader up against a category leader? Because I'm not a category leader, but I'm competing against category leaders. And I know it cost $50,000. You were honest with me, but it brought in 250000 And that's ARR, which means, you know, okay, it's a cost of sale. Maybe it's higher than normal, but that's only for the first year. And after that, it's just gravy. Let's talk, brother. I'm here to learn more. That's relevant to me. That would get me to react. That's That's how I view it now. Ryan, would you, was my example That's relevant? That's a great use of social proof. And I do think that's relevant. But like what I want to be able to do is teach BDRs how to find things. So let's say this, you just raise, well, we'll go with the vanilla soft. Um, you just raise a funding round, like cool 10, $15 million. You have uh, three SDRs, but I saw on LinkedIn that you have uh, five SDR positions open right now that you're hiring for. And you just put out uh, a new one for a demand generation marketer. When I'm reaching out to you, I'm going to let you know, hey, I noticed that you just got this new funding round with more funding means higher targets, which it needs, you know, larger pipeline to be able to fish in. I noticed that you're hiring more BDRs and you're trying to increase your inbound by hiring a demand gen marketer. Would love to share with you how X company did this to increase their pipeline to hit their new targets after their similar raise. Would you be interested in learning more about that? So these are things that I am, because I know the problems we solve, it's not just like the tool, oh, we, you can do outreaches and cadences. Um, I, I looked at your LinkedIn, your company page LinkedIn, and I identified things that mean something else. It's like, all right, they got the round. Guess what? Now they're going to be that triple, triple, double, double. Uh, and how are they going to get there? Well, it could be pipeline. But when I see you're hiring a demand gen marketer and you're hiring more SDRs to go outbound and really blow this thing up, um, that may allude to a problem that I can help solve. And that's what I want to push forward in my cadences to get someone to be like, you know, yeah, this is something that I'm getting hounded by the board to do, but I'm not going directly and telling them exactly what I'm trying to solve for. I'm just sharing with them something I'm alluding from the data I can see outside of it. Okay. So let, let's, let's explore what, what Ryan just talked about. And then Ryan is going to teach us all his black magic. Um, <laughs> If Ryan were to come to me and said, hey, I just saw you raise 10, 15, whatever million. Hey, I see you're hiring five SDRs. That's interesting. Um, but that, I would call that personalization because it's out there. It's public knowledge. But Ryan went the next step. And this is why it goes from personalization to relevance. He connected the dots. He said, and to me as a buyer, this is where he's, and as a, as a C-suite or executive uh, leadership team, he's got my attention. Um I assume, you know, you're hiring more people because you just raised money because you're going to 
because you've got a bigger nut to hit. You've got more to hit, which right there. Now I'm like, he gets it. He understands my life. Okay. Right away, my respect for him, my patience with him, my, whether I'm intrigued with him or dismissive of him changes, changes like that is now like, okay, he gets me. So now the next thing he says, I'm listening because he understands me. And that is true. And that is the case. And that is relevant to me. And candidly, as exciting as that money was and building a bigger team is, I'm scared shitless that I might miss these numbers. Or I can't scale. And it's personal and it's relevant to me. So that was a great example. Folks, this is live, unscripted. So there you go. It, it, sometimes it works. Sometimes we look like morons. Um, okay. So we're, we're, how do we do that, Ryan? Like how you, you've painted the picture. Yeah. But I want my audience to know what you know. So how do they do that? So you, you have to understand, once again, like the business problems that you solve for. What do I mean by that? When you ask some usual, usually people, what does their product do? They start listing off the features. Um, they don't really talk about the problems that like, and, and the exercise I do for this, for even BDRs is tell me what your product, like tell me what problems you solve for. They'll tell me some technical problem. And I say, so what? And then they say, well, if you don't, you know, if you can't put cadences, then your pipeline will be small. Okay, so what? Well, then you won't be able to get enough top line revenue to convert to hit the target you're looking. Okay, so what? Well, then you're not going to get that next fund fundraise um, down the line. Okay, so what? And we keep drilling down on this until we figure out what the actual business problem is you solve for. And if BDRs can understand that, even from like an AE perspective, like go ask your AEs. What, why do they really buy at the end of the day? Because it's not the feature. It's not the, you know, the art of the possible. It's there was something going on that they knew they needed to do. And this tool ended up helping them fix something or improve something that allowed them to get to that goal. So when I say that, I, you know, I'll, I'll take an example of a company I was speaking to not too long ago, which is a voluntary benefits platform. Um, and I was advising the, the, the people who are prospecting to go out and look at, uh, and this, I stole this by the way, from the great Sahil Mansouri, um, to go and look at Glassdoor, go look at their benefits satisfaction rating via employees and dig into that data and see what benefits they're offering their staff. Then go into the, uh, Edgar SEC filings and earnings reports and understand what are the objectives have anything to do with employee retention. So go look at LinkedIn or job posting and see how many open roles they have. What they're trying to do is connect the dots that voluntary benefits help retain and attract new employees. So now by looking at all this data and taking a data-driven approach, you can come back to a head of HR and say, hey, I, you're not going to say, hey, I have a benefits platform. You're going to say, I noticed that you guys are hiring an exorbitant amount of roles. I listened to your earnings report. You said that employee retention is on the forefront for you guys to hit your Q2 earnings. And I looked at your glass door and I noticed you had a voluntary benefits rating of about 2.7. Um, and in the United States, it's actually at a 2.3. So what this is telling me is this. I'd love to share in a way you may not have thought about where we could actually improve employee retention, improve uh, employee attraction, and you know actually talent hiring, while making your Glassdoor ratings improve. 
it's the curiosity and the relevance is going to come from something around that. If I came in and said, we have a voluntary benefit platform and we offer all these extra benefits that are new, they probably wouldn't open the email or give it any thought if they did read it. What I'm trying to do is get them to think that I not only think like them, I'm thinking a step ahead of them or they, I may know something that they just haven't thought of yet. This suggests a couple of things, folks. One, it suggests that you truly need to have a good understanding of your ideal customer profile. We've had this conversation before. You, you've got to be, you know, just, if you don't understand who you're selling to, then you need to talk to a lot of people and say, tell me about your day and what you do and what keeps you up at night. And your customers are the best people to ask those questions to. They're the safest ones. So again, I'm hammering you. You've got to make time to understand your ideal customer profiles because you'll never be able to draw the conclusions, um, the relevance that Ryan's talking about if you don't understand your buyer. That's the first part. Second part, I love what Ryan was saying was he, I can't remember the words you used, uh, but basically they have a need to, I think it might've been what you said. They have a need to, the buyer has a need to. Um, and I said, whatever you're selling for me as a buyer, it's a means to an end because I have a need to, you see? So he and I approached it the exact same way. So when, when Ryan was going through the why, okay, why, okay, why you should have been thinking to yourself, you know what this sounds like? This sounds a lot like discovery. What are your symptoms? So this is my symptom. Well, why is that a problem? Uh, because of this. Well, why because of that? Well, because of this. Well, because of that. It's like a doctor, right? A doctor just doesn't take your symptoms at face value and prescribe you medicine. They keep on drilling down until they realize the root cause is something completely different. You're feeling pain here, but it was because uh, maybe you just lost your significant other and your body is reacting to the emotional stress you're under. Not because you tripped and fell on the ice, I don't know. I'm making that up. You get the idea. That's what you need to do to be able to draw these conclusions. So the thing I like about what Ryan said was he goes, yes, even you BDRs. In other words, it's not an excuse because you're new or young. Rather, it's an opportunity for you. Because what do you want if you're a BDR or an SDR? You want to become an AE, right? The only way you're ever going to become an AE is if you have this skill. So this is a skill you have to develop. All right. So Ryan you said something in the green room, which I'm going to quote here. You said, do your damn research on the people you're reaching out to. So you give us an example, but are there different ways to do the research? There's a, that's where the creativity can really come in to do something, uh, you know, put it your own way. I think some of the best sales reps, BDRs I've seen, I, I did a post on this the other day. It's like, if you give a, B, a good BDR, the internet, they can find Carmen yes, Sandiego, uh, what Bono was looking for. And what I mean by that is like, I, and not to go what Daryl said as the example, you're not bringing up the wedding registry in your email. <laughs> you can find it. You can look at it, but don't bring that up. That's a little too creepy. I've had really creepy stuff where they've been like, it looks like your kids are about this age. And uh, cause I was on your Instagram. I'm like way out of left field. Don't ever do that again. Um, however, that level of digging, do your damn research is important because the amount of times that I've had people reach out and say like, oh, this is a perfect, you know, we're an, we're an outsourced BDR group. It's like, we are hiring a bunch of BDRs. We have a BDR leader. Why would we 
on top of that, do an outsource thing? And why would we be a perfect fit when you don't know anything about us? You don't know anything about our strategy. It just was not well placed um, in that. So if you can, I listed a couple very odd things to look at if you're a voluntary benefits platform, SEC filings, earnings reports, glass door ratings. Like these are just things that I thought of on the top of my head of ways you could dig in and find out without getting to do discovery if this problem may exist. You want to be able to tell the symptoms from afar if you're a BDR. If you're an AE, you get the right to ask the questions. So how can a BDR do their discovery? You can understand the problems you solve for, understand the symptoms of those problems, and then go scouring the internet to find out as much as you possibly can, because that's going to help you get taken a lot more seriously. There's a lot of cool places, and this is what I would do if I were you and your team, folks. I would, I would, I would do a. It's like trading cards. Hey, I'll trade you my one my tip, which is a glass door for your tip. Or you're saying SEC, cool. Now we, you know, in other words, you're you're trading cool places to go. You know, I like places like uh, TechCrunch, but maybe you've got a subscription to PitchBook, for example. If not, maybe you should have a subscription to PitchBook. By the way, not cheap, but phenomenal data. Um, <clears throat> because you're looking at different ways that you can find out what's the business, what's driving them, what are their concerns, or how do they compare and contrast against the competition or the industry as a whole, right? So it's not, it's not just the obvious. Many of you never, ever, ever do more than this. LinkedIn, company website, or you might get crazy and go to Zoom Info. And that's the sum total of your research. And you can't connect the dots. Do you have to remember what he did? He had all these observations in the vanilla soft example, and then he connected the dots. You probably have a bigger number now. And that's probably, that might be keeping you up at night. Um, connecting the dots, made, that's what makes it relevant. So the unique places to research, thinking outside the box, huge. So what have we learned so far? We learned you got to know your ICP. We've learned you've got to know your product and feature the same way a doctor knows you know, how to analyze a patient, you know, so you really truly know the impact and that's why it's tied to the ICP. We learned you need to do your damn research to get this information. We learned you can't just do hyper-personalization. You have to do relevance. You have to connect the dots. What's in it for them? Why do they care? And part of that is unique places to research at so you can get that additional information that makes your message stand out from every other person out there who is going to adjust the places that you're going to now. All right. I've done all that. But now I still, this is how we began, Ryan. I began with the message. I got to put it on paper and send the message. So how do I make sure that I'm creative enough, enough about the message to grab their attention? Yeah, no, that's, uh, this is my favorite part. It's the part I get, I get uh, to talk about a lot, which is the creativity. It's the reason why it's one of the uh, attributes I hire for uh, is creative reps. Daryl, I, you know, I'm in your LinkedIn inbox. I actually have a video of you talking to me. Um, and I didn't, I didn't put this in cause it was a little too long, but I have a video of being like, Hey Daryl, I'm about to send you a video in a minute. And I showed you your face in the video. I was going to put that into my outreach. I put a screenshot or like a, a front view of me and you and like some colorful background and I put that onto a vidyard in front of a video that was hyper-personalized and tried to be relevant, and I sent it to you. And now any other vidyard of me, like, waving with a little <laughs> card up that says, hey, I'm Ryan Scalera, like, hey, Daryl, uh, might not get opened, but this was just different enough where it was eye-popping, and I'm hoping that's probably some of the reason why you, you opened it. But the the actual, like, 
vehicle you're sending this to is important. Um, I've seen people get really creative with the way that they go about their LinkedIn prospecting. The fact that nobody was doing voice anymore um, or these those little voice messages that yep. you could send. Video, it's gotten very stale. A lot of people send the same thing. I use cover images that I make on Canva to stand out a little bit more and I put that in the front. Um, if you, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I say this all the time. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just put some rims on it or turn it just a little bit, make it a little shinier, a little bit more exciting. Cause the ultimate thing is you need the attention first. And then once you have the attention and if you can deliver the right relevance, the right message to them, now you really have a conversation and you probably really impress them in the same time. Now you get it, folks. When I say to you, I was the coach, the 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 the, the judge on the panel for personal branding, why he kicked ass. I mean, and it's true. The whole like the Canva thing is dynamite. You know, years ago I was looking for a job. And I told this story before, but for those who haven't heard it, and for those who have, just grit your teeth and bear through it. But for those who haven't, you know, I identified a short list of candidates through word of mouth referral where all said, yeah, these were the companies that were hot. It's about 12 of them that I targeted, 11 or 12. And every single one, I went and made a custom photograph. And this is back like 15 years ago. So, you know, smartphones have come a long ways. And those times it was a digital camera. You, you know, had to develop and I, this. <laughs> yeah, I had to develop this. I had to go to Walmart and print off this digital thing with my little SD card. Probably it was a compact flash card. Um, and... And I had different poses where I was holding these make-believe, you know, pieces of paper with my hands, even though there was nothing there. And then after I, you know, I took the pictures, I went into a cheap uh, photo editing software and I put on those pretend, you know, pieces of paper that I was holding, saved it, went to Walmart and I put text on it. And I went, you know, it would be like, Ryan, if I could make your beard more prolific than it is now. Is it worth your time? Right. And just crazy messaging that's hyper personalized, that's outside of the box, print them off. And I put all, but I sent these to all CEOs. So I did all my research exactly what Ryan's talking about. So all hyper personalized messaging on an individual custom one of a kind photograph that I then put inside of a Starbucks cup. By the way, you have to go to Starbucks and say, can I please have some cups? I actually had to buy them. I think I, I said, they were like, oh, we can't <laughs> give them away. And they were doing donations. And I said, if I put 20 bucks in this kid's camp thing, can I have some cups? And they said, sure. So they gave me like, you know, a couple, give me a dozen or whatever. And so I put it, a coffee coupon with the photo inside the cup. And I made custom landing pages that there was a call to action on the photo saying, learn more, DarylPrail.com slash Ryan. And then I set it in FedEx so I could track it. And then I watched the counter on the page visitor. And when it went up, I saw the FedEx had been delivered. Then I'm watching the counter and the counter went up one visit. So I knew they'd gone to the URL. Then I picked up the phone and said, hi, it's Daryl. I believe you just got a parcel from me. Of those 12 targets, I got eight interviews. I got four job offers. All right. Wow. It's all about relevance. It's all about relevance. And it's always been about relevance because I did that 15 plus years ago. So now imagine if you uh, just sent your resume in. Yes. Like now, yes, you're yeah. equally as impressive, but the fact that you came that way made them really, really want to know who the heck you were. Well, I even went one step further. So because I was thinking about the ICP and I said, they all have executive assistants. So if I sent it as a letter, I could have done that route. 
the, the, the she would have opened it and put it in his tray or just dealt with it. Or, or maybe she just, ah, another application, send it to HR. And he or she would never, the CEO would never have looked at me. But I put it, I used the cup and the coffee cup metaphor so I could put it in a six by six by six inch box so that the gatekeeper would go, what the hell is this? And they would personally walk it into the CEO because they have a personal relationship usually and say, look at this box, open it up. What is it? And that's why I had so many conversations with CEOs. That's an exact ex- example of what he's trying to about, about being creative in the method in which you relay the message hyper research, make it relevant. What, you know, means to an end, you got to understand your ICP. We could go on. So we've talked a lot about this stuff before folks, but I thought it was fun because it all begins with all of us are critiquing the stuff you send us. And there's groups of us trying to see what works and what doesn't. So if you're going to send it to us and spend the time, spend a few more minutes and do it right and get dramatic results. Ryan, best place to meet you. Is it still LinkedIn or anywhere else we should go to hang out with you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be LinkedIn for right now. Uh, not developing RyanScalera.com, although maybe someone owns it at this point. But yeah, that is where I am available to talk. If you are a BDR and you're looking for a role and you want to get a little creative and you know go to that next level, hit me up. But yeah, that's that's the best way to reach me right now. All right, folks, another episode in the can. I know we went a bit long today, but, you know, it was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast. That's Ryan. I'm Daryl. We will see you next week here on the Inside Inside Sales Show. Bye-bye.